Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we embrace two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times, well, we give ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts, my name is Dave Gurney, and I'm here with... Carlos Cooper, and joining us remotely because of an impending tropical storm slash potentially hurricane is... Joe Hilliard. And we are going to do the absolute best that we can to make this episode sound as good as it can. Um, Technical difficulties to start out, but we'll try to make it work. It'll be fine. Everything will be fine. It will be great. It Um, will be great. As long as we get something in our glasses. Exactly what I was going to say. That's how I know everything is going to be okay. And so I brought something... That has all of the flash and pizzazz that our first film has. All right. And this is from Untitled Art. It's a paltry 5% ABV, but that's okay. Starting out light. Starting Uh, out light. And it is a vanilla, mango, guava, smoothie, seltzer. All the words (laughs) in there straight away. And, um, you know, I'm just going to... Go straight get, away and get, get this, this in the glass. I'm excited to try this. We Untitled Art, I mean, this has got to be our, the, the, you know, 15th time. <laughs> I mean, we've had them on the show quite a bit, but it's for good reason. They're always putting it, oh my God, that looks like straight up carrot juice. Yeah, it's... That, that is... Uh, thick. Yeah. Joe, Ooh. what are you drinking over there? Because this was a very last minute kind of situation that we found ourselves in, so we did not have the foresight to be able to coordinate uh, these beers. Well, first of all, I love carrot juice, so I'm a little pissed off that I'm not with you, there with you guys. <laughs> it doesn't taste but anything we, like it. But we are recording a night early because tomorrow we're expecting some pretty horrific weather, and I uh, am in the middle of moving. I'm literally moving out to a rural area, and because I'm moving, my beer selection is not where I need it to be, but I had... <laughs> I had two real ales, real ale brewing out of Blanco, Texas, and I thought I would do a twofer of real ale, keep it Texas, keep it awesome. Uh, and I'm starting with a beer I've talked about on the show before, Devil's Backbone. Oh, yeah. Because this is the, this was a shining bright footstep in my cra- uh, craft beer journey. It's uh, one beer I fell in love with. I haven't had it in a really long time. It's a Belgian-style triple triple and it is an 8.1 so i'm at least beating you on abv <laughs> that, that you are that you are hey you, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting for me to taste it i haven't tasted it in quite a while considering how much i loved it and uh let me just say this i'll be talking about the move a little bit uh on our after hours episode i'm sure you guys will want to know everything i've been up to since the last time we got together Patreon.com slash beer and a movie podcast five dollars a month gets you a bonus episode every single week yeah. Some, they some. are currently helping us program an episode for our All Horror October, which if you've listened to any of the episodes in the past couple of weeks, you've heard us talk about, but October only horror, all horror all the time for October. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you want to plan for that a little bit, um, 
or not plan for that, but plan your horror viewings for October. Strangely enough, on October 1st, on the side of First United Methodist Church, they're doing a screening of the original In Nosferatu. Corpus Christi, Texas. That's yeah, right. so if you're local, you can go to that. And I believe what's happening is that they have a live organist doing a live score so for cool. it. I believe so, Love which that. is pretty lit. Um, I do not think that I will be in attendance, which I am very sad about, um, but I have a uh, DJ. I'm DJing a wedding out of town the next day, so I might have to leave Friday to be be there in a timely fashion. I'm not positive yet. We'll see what happens with that, but it does not seem likely. Anyhow, that has nothing to do with our film for this week. No, no, but Um, it's it's good for for our listeners. Our first film this week is the film... Uh, titled after its main character, Kate, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, and she is an assassin who has been trained... Folks, pay attention because this kind of story might repeat itself. Uh, an assassin who has been sort Hold of... Hold on there with the spoilers. <laughs> mentored by this father figure type character uh, played by Woody Harrelson, Varric. I believe is the character's name. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they are a team that's being sort of, you know, hired for these hit jobs. Um, We start the film. She has a traumatic experience with a hit job where she breaks her one rule, right? There's this one rule that she won't shoot uh, anybody in front of a child or, you know, if a child's involved, she's not going to do the killing, but she's pushed to, she does it anyway. She kind of says, I'm getting out after this. Um, her her father figure mentor slash pimp whatever with it, uh, Woody Harrelson, you know handler d- gives yes right g- gives her okay one last job we're gonna do this one last job and of course as she goes into this one last job she is uh, poisoned and so we see her over the course of basically twenty four hours attempt to f- get back at the people who have done this to her poisoned her yeah Yeah. exact her revenge so so you know i i don't think it would be too far-fetched for me to throw in the films that everybody else is referencing it when they're talking about this film john wick obviously um to a certain extent kill bill that i think is maybe even a closer touchstone in terms of like the female-centric uh action revenge film uh you know, this one came out of nowhere for me. I hadn't really heard about it. You brought it up, Carlos. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know the filmmaker behind it other than having seen this film now. Do know a little bit Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson, obviously. Obviously. Though he's a pretty small factor. He doesn't, you know, he he's there throughout mm-hmm. the film, but he, he doesn't have a ton of screen time. No, no, he doesn't. But, you know, he's an important figure in the plot. Sure. But, I mean, not... An important figure in his relationship to the titular character, but then also right. later on has a pretty big role in the way things play out. Right. Well, before we started recording, I know Joe and I were kind of joking a little bit about the look of this film, because I think probably one of the biggest characters that we haven't talked about is uh, Japan, right? That mm-hmm. the, Tokyo at night yeah. um, being a major star of this film, right, Joe? I mean, it, it's pretty pretty prominent there yeah if you are a fan of visually interesting films this one i think you'll enjoy just for the look of it all the idea that this kind of story is set in tokyo starring an american lead and an american handler woody harrelson makes the film i think much more interesting uh 
this is one of two films. That, well, never mind. Uh, no spoilers. Uh, where <laughs> not only is she well, okay. I'll just quickly say this. It's not only that she's poisoned. She drinks a glass of wine that has radiation in it. I can't remember the yeah. formula Plut- of the radiation. Uh, Polonium two hundred four. Right. It's like what the the Russians use, right? Yeah. Right. And I'm and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say full full spoilers here. The entire film, we American filmgoers are waiting for the antidote to show up oh, in yeah. the last in the last five ten minutes. She's, you know. Uh, perhaps she has gotten the revenge that she's seeking. Who are the people that poisoned me? Let me get all the way to the top of the Tokyo Mafia to kill the person that did right. it, that set the order in, and then somehow I'll find the antidote. There are real stakes in the movie as we watch her body deteriorate, her teeth, her teeth Constantly fall out. injecting herself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she gets the news that she's been poisoned in a hospital and then takes the doctor hostage long enough to get some stimulants in some <laughs> auto, auto-injector needles, and she has five or six of them, and they buy her a little more time as she needs to continue to kick all of the ass you can imagine. <laughs> it is. It is a lot of ass that she's kicking in the film. It is. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that I proposed that we did this was because um, I had seen long after it had originally come and aired in theaters and whatnot, um, I finally got around to seeing Birds of Prey, the, uh, yes. emancipa- yeah. the Emancipation of Harley Quinn or whatever, because um, I had heard some good things about it. And one of the things I liked the most about it was Mary Elizabeth Winstead as the Huntress. Oh, okay. uh, I thought she was great in it and kind of came out of nowhere because I didn't even know really she was in the film to begin with. Yeah. Uh, or that the character, the Huntress, is in the film because the Huntress is a pretty big, um, you know, part of the Batman Rogues Gallery as well. Hmm. That I don't know has ever been portrayed in film before, and I just thought that she did a great job in that movie. And so when the idea of her carrying an action film, not just being, you know, a role a, player, a part in of one, it, yeah, right, that. Uh, was very intriguing to me. And so the first thing that I will say about this film is that she is badass. Like, she really... um, I mean, she does... I mean, she's a lead character, so she does carry this film, but does so uh, very well. She handles the physicality of all of the action sequences very well. She's, like, very believable as, like, a badass... uh, assassin hit woman figure right um who is dying and who is, dying. is falling apart as she's yeah yeah and that and that's and that's one of the things that i think um kind of elevates her performance past just uh being good at kicking ass is that especially towards the very end uh her wariness and the fatigue that is coming from having been poisoned and being slowly dying over the course of the day, uh, is it's very believable the way that she, you know, uh, portrays that deterioration over time. Yeah. She, which I think is, which I I think is tough. It's a a fantastic setting up of the stakes of the movie. You know, John Wick's not going to die. You know that, um, Bob Odenkirk, uh, Mr. Nobody is not going to die. She is not a superhero. 
Mr. Nobody's from the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but well, that's, the, that's the name of the movie, so now yeah. I call him Mr. Nobody. Um, you know, you honestly believe that she's got this very limited amount of time to settle the score. And uh, where I was going earlier was that in tow is the uh, child who you know, watched her father die under her hand earlier in the film, Carlos, the one that you right. um, mentioned a little bit earlier. And I loved that character, a sassy Japanese girl that, you know, has probably lived a pretty exciting life given the fact that her father is in this Tokyo mob and, you know, is reticent to even be kidnapped. But then we, we realize her story unfolds and we realize that she's basically an orphan who the mob is going to kill her. So then they team up and the film takes a completely different turn. I'll put my card on the table. I loved this movie. And I loved that when the score was settled, there was 25 minutes more for her to do even one more job that we learned she's got to kind of do with this ticking stopwatch of her own life. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you've you come across so. In fact, I, I loved it that it wasn't a franchise. I loved it that it wasn't a superhero film. It's a completely original story. I think it was based on a graphic novel. It's a completely original film story, and I love it that there it will be no sequel. It's mm. pro, you know, Well, I guess they can try to do something, but it's just a roller coaster thrill ride in a fantastic setting with all those fantastic visuals that you alluded to, David, and some amazing, violent bloody action i i agree with a lot of what you're saying i do think i take issue with original just because i think part part of what i i set up here is you know we can we can point to a few films that it definitely sort of works from and we can also point to the film i I, we keep making these oblique references but you know the second half of the episode spoilers folks we're going to be looking at another relatively recent film that has a very similar plot. Now, I will agree with you, Joe. This one, the way it ends, sort of is a somewhat unique twist, I think, compared to the other one. And and, and even so, some of the others that we might mention, um, John Wick, right, where, where clearly we set it up so it can go on. Here, Kate, the, the titular heroine or anti-heroine, however you want to think about her, is, is dying and dead. And we, we you know... That is not even a spoiler. It just it goes through with the threat. Yeah, she dies. She dies. <laughs> it's like 24 hours to live. She and it's a, dies at the end of the film. And it's a beautiful scene. Yeah. That moment where, uh, that moment where she dies. Yeah. Um, well, and, and again, I think the, the, I don't want to gloss over how important Tokyo at night, the neon, the, the pinkness of it all, the, the sort of glow of the city, mm-hmm. how that's always there in, in the dark alleys and the sort of, uh, you know, rain soaked. But it's, it's just like a perfect visual yeah. sort of nighttime action film feast. It did make me sad that I was watching it at home, honestly. Yeah. Just it, seeing it in a theater would be sick. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the pretty. I don't know, probably like 30 minutes into the film, I looked at Kylie and I was like, man, can you imagine how badass Japan would be like pre-COVID? You know, when all these markets are happening <laughs> oh, yeah. in this big way and yeah. you can go in and you can sit down. The food down stalls. And I, lo- I love the like food that. stalls. There's um, a lot of fighting at food stalls here in, in a little sequence yeah. in this film. Uh, now, Joe mentioned that the American audience would be waiting for the antidote to come into play at some point. Right. I, was ne- I never thought that. I think... 
partly because had that happened, I would have been furious. Uh, <laughs> If if they had pulled in some kind, you know, I would have been pissed that they that they, you know, because the sequel and, and, call us the sequel. Well, I get <laughs> I get that, but also for me, I mean, um, one of the things that I liked the most about this movie was that um, the person who she's after the entire time, Kojima, yeah, uh, is not our big bad. No, there's that twist at the end where. Not only is he not the big bad, but he is in almost the exact same situation that she is, with the notable exception of having not he's he has not been poisoned, right? But he has been similarly betrayed by those that he holds closest to him, mm-hmm. and so I really liked because I think that I think that if this movie had followed through with its promise that she's going to die, which I was very much hoping that it would, because um, I felt like it would have been a cop out otherwise. If it had followed through with that with the setup of the film and we got to the end kojima's the bad guy they fight she kills him she dies that to me would have been a pretty disappointing film i feel just in terms of its like unbelievable predictability Hmm. you know there are parts of this film that are predictable but then that part you know you could say that you saw it coming or that like oh yeah i kind of knew especially if you at any point looked at the runtime um you knew that there was going to be some kind of twist or something like that but it just bring it just makes it a much more dynamic story mm-hmm. um than if it was just like a video game where you just completed all the objectives and then it ended which is right. what it would have been otherwise i feel yeah um and on top of all of that you it, the fact that Kojima's not the bad guy you then get to have this incredible last 25 minutes where the two where Kojima and Kate storm the castle together mm-hmm. uh the sky rise you know yeah and whoop ass like whenever Kojima cuts that dude's head off yeah that shit was hard as fuck I was Kylie and I looked at each other and we were like, we were like yelling. It was, that shit was because be- that <laughs> fucking Renji really thought he was that bitch. You know, yeah. he thought that he was going to get one over on this old man or whatever. He and did. the man literally cuts his head off. Yeah. It was crazy. This, this, this is. Yeah. Well, Carlos, you're leading me right into one of my favorite things about the film. And that's the ultra violence of it. The cartoonish violence that we enjoy in a John Wick and other kinds of films. There's a scene in like a, a, what do you call a geisha parlor where the Japanese men have a geisha in there with her. And it's got the white uh, paper walls, you know, all around them. And those walls are doused with blood (laughs) as she uses every uh, knife and sword and gun. And she, there's a scene where she stabs a guy up the through yes. his up, and it comes yeah. out his nose his up through the bridge the of his tip nose. Of the, the, oh of the knife comes out of his nose up uh, the upper yeah. part of yeah, his Yeah, that shit was gnarly. And you're just like, oh, go get it, get it girl, get it, Kate, go get him. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, it, 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 only in a cinematic experience like this, or you know, in real life, you'd say, oh my god, please, the human life. It means- <laughs> well, none of this would. None of this would happen so smoothly in real life. Like you, I agree with you, Joe, wholeheartedly. This is not a superhero movie in 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 the truest sense, but there are those elements in the action where you can see how sure. over the top. Uh, oh the, yeah, yeah, in the choreography. And, 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 
And I'm going to say it maybe again before we're done tonight. It is wonderful to see a female lead have that level, the, the power that we usually give our Schwarzeneggers and our Stallones and our Bruce Willis's and our, our Keanu Reeves. I, she's 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 just a badass. Now, I, I highly recommend this film, especially to a John Wick fan. I mean, this movie really scratched every. Absolutely, if you day. if you love John Wick or or even like the John Wick films, and you are you know sort of hesitating on something like this, why? There's no reason. This yeah, is great. I mean, that, is, that would be silly. Yeah. Now, the only thing that the only thing I'll say against this film was. It's the screenplay is pretty thin. Oh yeah. Um, the, the violence is the star. The action is the, the characters star. aren't developed. Deeply. The characters I, aren't super developed, and so and you know there there are stakes, but not in a super significant way because no. we do kind of know how this is all going to end from the beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. So as a result of, you know, the premise of the film, basically setting up the ending of the film, uh, straight away. I mean, it's almost like its own spoiler to a certain extent. And because of that, uh, what is going to happen is not of the most importance or interest necessarily. It's how it's going to happen. So there are some moments where you're, you know, it's, it's almost kind of like you're biding your time to the next big fight kind of thing, you know? And so, uh, now we should mention that, um, I mean, it's a massive part of this film, but the reason that Kate finds herself in this situation is because she is trying to get out of the contract killing business because at the very beginning, the first thing we see of her, she has to witness this small child or, you know, 16 year old, 15 year old kid. Yeah. um, Witness up close. Witness the murder of her father as fate would have it. The key to finding the person who she believes has wronged her is that child right. who she has then wronged, and of course, and so then she has to bring the kid along with her and save her from getting killed. And then the kid takes a liking to her, and so they have this weird right, relationship right. where Kate is withholding this, uh, you know, huge piece of information. Sound familiar um, <laughs> from the kid, and mm-hmm. you know uh, that kind of thing. And so, and so, I did like that kind of mm-hmm. deepening of the character of Kate as much as you could in a situation like this, as yeah. much as you could try to deepen a character that has almost no childhood right. other than killing yeah. and is most certainly going to die by the end of the movie, <laughs> you know? So it's, uh, they did what they could with well, that, but yeah, I, I just... It felt uh, more like a showcase for the action set pieces. I yeah. mean, like, the, it just... For me, this film was all about going from each little, you know, scenario to the next and getting to see her and how she was going to kick ass, how she was going to maneuver in a vehicle, how she was going to get out of whatever situation seemed impossible for her to overcome with the limited resources she had available. It was it was it was fun from that standpoint, from front to back. But I totally agree with you. And I think when we get to the second half, um, I'll probably have even more to say about how these films do distinguish themselves a little bit to me in in that area of character development. But, you know, this this one definitely, that wasn't the focus of the screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, the action set pieces kick fucking ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that that's 
sometimes that's enough. And in this case, I would say it is. I would agree. Joe, what's going on with you over there? Uh, yeah, I've said everything I need to say. How was that 8%, 8 percenter that you were drinking over there? You know, I am pl uh, pl I'm pleased that I am enjoying this beer as much as I did back in the early days of my craft beer journey. Nice. Um, you know, I, I, the, the word, the Belgian-style tri triple, it's not a triple anything the way a double or a triple IPA is. It's just uh, referring, of course, to the idea that in the Belgian uh, brewing traditions that it has a higher ABV. The 8.1's hitting me nice, and I don't know how widely this beer is distributed outside of Texas, but if you can if find the Devil's Backbone, I would... I would suggest that you do. Uh, in Texas, I only wish it's ubiquitous. Oh yeah, if you're oh yeah, it if is. you're visiting us here or you live here, absolutely, you're you're gonna be able to get your hands sure. on it. I'm just I'm still a little jealous of y'all's uh, sour smoothie for blah, good blah, reason, blah, blah, blah. because this thing is is uh, knock your socks off deliciousness. It's magnificent. In a glass. I mean. Yeah, okay. I mean, beer and a movie listeners who who are more beer purists, I love ya. you. You know I do. And uh and 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 don't hate us for for dancing in the uh seltzer realm, but you know, when a good one comes along, it's hard to say no, and this is a really good one. Vanilla, mango, guava, it's all there. I mean, oh, I yeah. was I was getting all three of those things. Um the the mouthfeel that you want there, like just all that haft it like you take a sip and it just sort of coats your mouth it's it's flavor bomb in a glass yeah and it is one of the thickest alcoholic beverages that i've ever poured into a glass i mean it is absolutely, absolutely unreal um delicious though uh terrible for you <laughs> Unti untitled art gives us the like very oh, explicit yeah. disservice of providing nutritional facts on the 330 but we split that so that's only like 100 and uh you know 65 calories yeah i did drink one of these by myself yesterday though uh, oh, okay carlos if any if anyone goes to our website they can find that map that we've created of all of the beers that we drank all of the breweries are listed there chronologically i'm sorry alphabetically so if you go to untitled art you can see every single time every single episode that we've enjoyed it i can't think off the top of my head of a time that untitled art has ever disappointed us with the exception of that chocolate banana thing that we had that one time i thought you loved that chocolate banana i i think we did Carlos, hey, it, it, you didn't yeah it, it was not a unanimous um right, right. De declaration of love that's no, true. No, uh, or i might be thinking of the black forest regardless they make some delicious decadent beers and damn it i'm jealous <laughs> well you can get this at lucy's next time you well find your way back into the big city <laughs> lucy i'm on my way yeah well, we're on our way to a second half where we're going to finally talk about that film that we say bears quite a bit of resemblance to the film we've talked about in the first half. Uh, so please meet us there after the break. What a way to come back. Always exciting. Uh, the, you know, 
these two films couldn't have been more similar, but but I feel like we'll get a little bit of a difference with these beers that we're pairing them with. Um, you know, the the first one, Carlos, you were so generous uh, in sharing that untitled art, vanilla, mango, guava, smoothie, seltzer, and when we decided that we were going to do gunpowder milkshake, I felt like God, it would be it would be a travesty if we didn't have a milkshake IPA to uh, pair it with. Because we've done milkshake IPAs on the show before. Why wouldn't we for a film uh, with the very term in its title? Especially in the first, like, 100 episodes, it was something that people would often uh, come up to me and be like, have you had one of these? Or no, they would say, so I've listened to the podcast. What is this milkshake IPA thing (laughs) that you keep? What the fuck is that? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so so we have repeat offender. Uh, another, you know, again, this is kind of like a uh, an episode where we revisit some favorites of the of the program. So we had Untitled Heart in the first half. This is the Brewing Project out of Wisconsin. Had them several times. I know um, this is their Tangerine Resist Milkshake IPA with the great uh, can art that's a skeleton with a. Uh, bandana tied around, or is that a neckerchief? When you when you when you use it around your neck, I guess by default it's a neckerchief. It's no longer just a handkerchief. Or a... I think technically you are correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna open it up. Uh, I'm gonna pour this in. This is a little over seven percent. I think it's like seven. It's point... like seven one. Yeah. Yeah. So just a tick above, not up to the eight point one that Joe had, but. Uh, but something there nonetheless. What about you, Joe? What are you drinking? I know you were going to do another real ale. Yeah, my two-beer real ale flight continues. That 8.1 was so nice, I'm going to do it twice. This is ABV 8.1 again. It's a beer that I was going to wait and do whenever we did say anything. It's their Boombox Double. Say it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> their uh, this time double means something. Up, yeah, their time, this time double means something. Uh, double the hops, double the flavor, double the aroma. Uh, focused on immense late additions of El Dorado, Amarillo, Idaho 7, and Strata hops, this double ITA brings the noise. So, ITA. Uh, what did I say, IPA or you ITA? I said ITA, strangely. Internet, uh, India tail ale. It's uh, <laughs> Right on. Well, that that sounds uh, like a lot of fun. And I have had the boombox, and I know that is one that I, I remember you kind of mentioning we, we should do that on the show. And maybe we will again all together. I yeah. mean, I think. Yeah, but that sounds like a good idea. But anytime I can, we can throw some love at some Texas breweries. You well, know Real Ale is one of my absolute do. faves. So I'm, sure. I'm always happy to. A strong advocate for the Hans Pills. Oh, I love well, the Hans well, Pills. Well, I tell you what, enjoy y'all's fruit basket that you guys are doing over <laughs> in that room. I'll we tell will. you about the. Uh, I'll tell you about this double IPA after we talk about gunpowder milkshake. The title of which, when Carlos or Day, I can't remember who suggested we do it, gunpowder milkshake. What the hell could that mean? It's an excellent question. Um, gunpowder milkshake is uh, a film. A it's a. God, it's like where do you start with this? You know, so it's a film about. A, a young woman who is a professional killer. Uh, <laughs> Sounding familiar. <folks>. Yeah. <laughs> um, who uh, is an, a professional killer because her estranged mother okay. was a professional Ooh, killer. Okay, and we're when, bringing some yeah, yeah, and when her mother, you know, in some eye, some people's eyes abandoned her, uh, she really didn't have a lot of options 
very easily fell into this life and this lifestyle and everything. Um, but she is sent out on a job to reclaim uh, some money that has been stolen from the firm, uh, the company she works for, which is like a... Not to be confused with Tom Cruise. And not Gene to be Hackman. confused no, with not, Tom Cruise. Not that the firm. Uh, but not a, that the yeah, firm. But criminal the firm, organization. Yeah, it's a criminal organization run by all these men that, you know, uh, whenever they need uh, a loose end tied up, they call upon this network of female assassins that go and do their dirty work for them. Mm. Um and yeah, so she sent out on this job, collect this money back. Um, she, you know, in a scuffle, shoots the guy who stole the money only to immediately hear him get on the phone with uh, the people who have kidnapped his daughter and are holding her for ransom. And then she has this moral imperative to take the money, uh, try to make the exchange for the girl, and then also try to get the money back via all of her badassery. Right. She thinks that she can uh, pull it off. And uh, she gets very close, but unfortunately, all of the money is destroyed in this grenade explosion. And so Greed. that like sets off the rest of the film where she is now no longer under the protection of the firm and is not only because uh, she also had carried out a job in the very beginning where she accidentally killed, killed some of the, the wrong son people. of a very high up. Uh, yeah, yeah right. she had some bad intel, was sent to like a job a couple of well, people the firm set her up i mean the firm put yeah. her in that yeah, yeah put her in that situation where this whole gang of people shows up uh so because she's no longer under the protection of the firm because she has lost the firm's money this rival organized crime family is now after her to get revenge on her in this situation actually yeah. uh, the revenge is flip-flopped in this scenario uh for k killing the rival crime boss McAllister is trying to get revenge on her for killing his son. Um, and so, yeah, she has to try to stay alive mm -hmm. uh, when all of these people are mad at her <laughs> for various things. Right. Meanwhile, she has this man who she has unfortunately mortally wounded. His and daughter feels responsible now in tow. That. She feels responsible for this child uh, having saved her yet killed her father. Mm-hmm does not reveal this information daughters the young girl starts getting very attached to karen gillian who is the professional killer who we are following um whose name i don't remember wait which one karen gillian's character Ka uh sam sam that's right is it karen is it karen gillen or karen, karen gillen you're yeah. right it's karen gillen yeah. uh who our listeners should know from fucking Jumanji. Uh, right, both of the recent Jumanji. Both of the films, recent yeah. Jumanjis, which she's amazing in. And so this, fun, this yeah. is another uh, example of an actress who I saw in some other action movie as, you know, part of an ensemble right. cast uh, who I thought handled those action scenes incredibly well. Yeah. Um, really pulled the physicality out. She's also in some of the Marvel she trash is, right. that's she out there. She showed up in the um, Guardians of the Galaxy. And, Aven and then yes. some of the Avengers yeah. ones. Um, and was very excited to see her carry a film. Although I should qualify that again with, I didn't realize how much carrying she would be doing of this film. Because when yeah. you look at the cast list, it's her, Lena Headley, Carla Gugino, Angela Bassett. I mean, Michelle Yeoh, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. And then you've got Paul Giamatti in there doing his thing. Mm -hmm. He's come a long way since the dumpster. That's a very deep cut. Chris Gethard reference for all my Chris <laughs> Gethard fans out there. Uh, 
Okay. Fucking great. It's one of the greatest episodes of television of all time, so everyone oh, wow. should go watch it. And, it's and, free on YouTube. And, you can watch Paul it on Giamatti YouTube is free. a national treasure, and so I'm, I'm all for anything that brings him, Love him. into the eye. Of the, I feel like this this synopsis is meandering already. And, and, oh, and no, I it's could, not. It's just that there's, you know, because it's, there's, Kate there, was so easy to synopsize because a woman gets poisoned. She has 24 hours to exact her revenge. Yeah. It's a this bunch of action one, scenes. You know, there's a lot more layers to it. There's a little bit more depth to the characters and their relationships because you have this the world of mother this female assassin. Yeah, there's yeah because yeah, there's yeah. a scene. There's a scene where the where Sam, our protagonist's arms are deadened, <laughs> <laughs> and then she has uh, the girl that oh that her, was fantastic. Her, yeah, her new ward tape pistols, you know, handguns, to her hand. One, well, tape one, one gun and then gun, one as yeah, a, a scalpel. Yeah. A scalpel. Right, yeah. and then so she's flopping around like a rag doll and has her every, every single target. Put her on a rolling chair that she then kicks out into the... Oh, yeah. No, it's... She right. misses a lot, actually. The, cho- the choreography I, I, in this film in general is something to behold mm-hmm. they really yeah. do a nice job setting these fight scenes up the 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 hoods there or whatever who are coming after her are like the three stooges and in, yeah. in a way i mean literally there's y- three of them and they're buffoons yes and they're hitting each other they're like they end up killing each other essentially and they, i mean it's hilarious we see them fight twice once in a bowling alley which is fantastic oh, oh and then God. she wears she, that she, bomber jacket the rest of the movie which is amazing yeah and then and then she dispatches that one guy by bowling a ball into his head. Uh, you said it, David. The choreography in this film is one of the stars, as is, like I said in the first half, that visual. If you are a fan of visual films, this film delivers in spades. There are some fantastic long pans in slow motion through that diner is where I'm talking about. Yeah. Where, yeah. And, 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 and Carlos, you almost failed to mention Michelle Yeoh, who, by the way, I've had a crush on since Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, she's wonderful. Oh, I agree Crouching with Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Have you, You've seen it, Carlos, right? I have not seen that. Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll find okay, a good the, excuse to do that. Our next episode, The Graduate and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. <laughs> what a pairing. <laughs> cinema, cinema. Sins. I'll he, find a way to connect them. Don't worry. No, I, <laughs> look, I loved this movie. I had so much fun this week, and maybe it was just that these two films were exactly what I needed in a pretty stressful week. Moving is never fun. We've all done sure, it. Sure. Yeah. And so when I when I took a break twice to spend two hours two two twenty five whatever watching movies. This was the exact escapism I I needed, awesome. and you're gonna hear a lot. You're gonna hear a lot of the same stuff. It's not a known property. It's not a superhero. It's just badass action, stylized action with female leads. There's a lot of st- a lot of uh, borrowing from John Wick here. Even going to the instead of a hotel, it's a library where you get all of your um, yep. wep- weaponry yeah. and support. And that's where we meet the librarians, the, the mm-hmm. three older, three or four older actresses that we've that we've mentioned. Um, but it's never it's never dumb. It's, it's 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 fun. Yeah, I agree. And there is a good amount of gun fu in this as well. Oh, yeah, I mean, especially sure. towards the end when Lena Headley um, puts the knives on the end of her guns, mm-hmm. her yeah, like Sam, signature Sam's guns. Mother, yeah. Sam's mother who returns. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They they cross paths again. 
slightly who reconcile. Learn, yeah, yeah. Who who you learn was sort of fucked over by the firm in the same yeah. way. That, you know, I mean, the, so so getting back to what we were talking about in the first half, where Carlos, I think, nicely made that criticism of Kate, where you know. The, as great as the action is, it didn't have the character depth that he maybe would have wanted. This film actually has the character depth, and it's kind of building a world. Now, Joe, you say this isn't a superhero film. I do feel like there's a little bit of lore being laid down. We'll see if it turns into something that becomes a series. There certainly but could be another. It it feels like the way it ends, you want to know more about this world of the female assassins, this sort of you know, sisterhood. It could be like a Kingsman situation. Yeah, yeah. There's something like you feel like you could follow this crew or other people who are affiliated with it who we didn't even meet in this film necessarily um but but what's here on its own was fantastic um i want to mention we didn't really talk about the score as much in the last film though i did think it was interesting how much of the japanese uh pop it was a lot more japanese like pop and rap than it was like score to it right and And i thought i think it was used effectively yeah especially when they storm the castle and they first walk in the song that's playing is badass yeah um, but this film really hit my sweet spots when it came to the music. The score for it, which I should... The guy, uh, I don't think I had really ever known him as a film composer before. Uh, Frank Ilfman, did yeah, you know him? Uh, no, I was not familiar. Um, but apparently his uh, journey into film music composition began when he got a piece of music from famed film composer Ennio Morricone. Oh, okay. That was like what sparked his well, interest Well, and he in uses it. it here, right? Yeah. I mean, like he is directly referencing Morricone and, yeah. and his Spaghetti Western scores. Um, it And really, I mean, I loved it. I loved it. it. I, th- I thought it was fantastic. Every time I would get these glimpses of the, we can fight. Uh, yes, I'm here for it. Please yeah. bring that to me every time. Um, the pop songs that the, that get used in here, the Karen Dalton song, which is more of a folk song, um, really haunting, beautiful. Some Stereo Lab French disco shows up in there at, yeah. at a certain point. The use of uh, Janis Joplin during the the fight. A couple key fight scenes in this film are done mostly in slow motion with these very um, sort of airy songs with the, that that kind of creates this weird contrast between the intense the intensity of the action and then like how slowly you're seeing it unfold and how yeah. it's all that it, the janice joplin song was great yeah in that moment yeah really well Take done it. really well yeah. done and it, and it ends with a mercury rev song which is such a deep cut I, people don't listen to mercury rev i'm the only person on this podcast who even gives a shit but it all worked for me. <laughs> I like. I, I did. I mean, I did like the song. I was not familiar. Question: Either of you? Did you watch with subtitles? Yeah, I always do. Did you? I can't remember. Aaron shames me into not doing it pretty regularly mm. because she'll she'll make. I admire. Fun. I admire Aaron every time you talk about her. I love her. Oh, uh, yeah, always. The, I the, so. The, the subtitles are a requirement of my typical viewing partner. I understand. I, I prefer subtitles, but one of the funny things, or one of the things I found funny about them was because of how referential to Modi Cone's score is, 
Often the subtitles would describe it as mariachi music. Oh, yeah. It would say mariachi music. Actually, I think we did have it on at some point because I remember, I don't remember that description, but there was like a description where it seemed off to me. It's like, like slow, steady music plays and it was actually a pretty intense kind of, I don't know. Yeah. You're not describing this well for the hearing. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was pretty funny. Um, People know what we do. And I often, I don't know if you guys get this, I, all, I often get questions, hey, Joe, what should I watch? What's out? What, what's good? And I have um, recommended these two films all week long. And I, uh, and I don't think you're going to suffer for it. People are going to yeah. be happy with these recommendations. Yeah, and the, and the caveat I give is if you want to see a John Wick type yeah. thing with female lead, or leads in this case, then, then these two, and you like stylized violence, then you, you, you won't be disappointed. Carlos, I believe this was a Carlos episode. I think you kind of pitched this one, put it together, and while I have a lot of problems with most of the movies you recommend, you did a really good job this week. Here's the thing, Joe. I like to have fun. That's what it is. I like I might fun. Be, I might be exaggerating, but why break character? Yeah. Uh, and both of these movies seemed like a lot of fun and they fucking were and it was sick they delivered they both delivered yeah i i just uh you know i watched gunpowder milkshake first and so i was you know i did kind of hold back a little bit and with the kate kate discussion that we had because i didn't uh, I, I certainly didn't dislike Kate, but all there was so much more to chew on with Gunpowder Milkshake. With, uh, you know, we talked about the great music, we talked about the great action set piece, we talked about the character development, but then there's also, you know, commentary about the patriarchal structure of our society and the way that it kind of, um, uh, you know, you views women as mere tools or mm-hmm. means to, means to ends objects, uh, objects yeah. things like that uh, and how you know that particular line of thinking and certain uh you know people in our society greg abbott view women as disposable <laughs> you know um and so not only do you have these characters you can really care about that you can really root for that you can that are complex too? Uh, because Karen Gillian really does have some like complex moral makeup to her, mm-hmm. and she has to make uh, tough moral decisions, and so she's not always the most likable character. You know, no, uh, she's not always she's not someone that you can root for unabashedly and say I find nothing wrong with this character. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's someone yeah. who's complicated that you still like because eventually they do do the right thing, but it does take them quite a while to get there and things yeah. like that. And, um, and then obviously well, and there's like social how... commentary. And so there's just so much to grab yeah. onto. You can, there's so much you can find in it and it kicks ass. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, the whole like sort of, it plays into the sort of, um, you know, the role her parents or, or her, or her like sort of surrogate parent in the case of Paul Giamatti played in her life in a similar way to what Woody Harrelson and Mary Elizabeth Winstead have going on in the other film. But, but I think it gets richer because you also have her mom and why her mom had to leave. And then that her mom comes back and that she, and Paul Giamatti does seem to care about her more than Woody Harrelson did. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. You're right. You're right. He seems to be, he seems to do have a genuine care for her, but at the end of the day, uh, 
his business supersedes any human feelings he can have. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Which makes him also kind of a complicated character. There's a button. There's a button at the end where Sam and her new protege kind of turn the tables on him with a Girl Scout cookie ruse. Yeah. Which which I thought was just so well played. Yeah. Paul Giamatti's Paul, Paul Giamatti's such a fantastic actor, but he's also not above a paycheck film. I can't imagine the budget on this was such that he got a big paycheck on it. Right. But he was so, he was a fantastic I think he just he was a fantastic anchor. He enjoys know? doing a film like this, I bet. Right? I mean, sure. this has got to sure, be fun yeah. to, to play. So, I mean, yeah. You're, it probably you're, wasn't very many days either. Right. As right. far as, you know, the locations. Yeah, he was pretty he much was... all shot in that one uh, office setting for yeah. the most part. Yeah. And, and a little bit at the diner. Right, right. Um, which is kind of where the film name comes from is there's this diner that's kind of like a safe haven. Right. Um, like the hotel in John Wick that <laughs> Joe's referring to. Whereas, yeah. whereas the library in this, though, architecturally, it's similar Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of analog in this film is this diner where you have to surrender your guns when you walk in right. and stuff like that. Um, until, until <laughs> Ooh, you don't wait until that folks. That's, that's yeah. intense. Um, but yeah, yeah, some th- great gun fu in this great gun fu. At the end of the day, gung-fu. I mean, this movie's fucking badass. It's got something to say, even if it is kind of obvious and like on the nose with it. Um, Great performances. And it it is also something that we shouldn't have to say anymore at this point, but unfortunately here we are. Great performances, uh, set pieces. Chloe Coleman, we should give a shout out to her. She was fantastic. Is she the young girl? Yes. Okay, yeah, she is And she's great in everything I've seen her in. See, I I don't think I've seen her in anything. She was in My Spy with Dave Bautista. I know you guys Uh, are. That's right. I knew she looked familiar. I didn't see that film. But now, not... when the film came out, I didn't really have any feelings about Dave Batista, but now being the Batista stan that I am, uh, I, I could see myself going back and watching, especially knowing how good that she, uh, Chloe Coleman, you said, yeah, was in this film. Um, and Joe, to come back to what you were saying, uh, yes, I do have people that know what we do here, and they will ask me uh, for movie recommendations, or they'll ask me how I felt about a film, and in almost every single case, the film they're asking me how I felt about, we've already done an episode of. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good. That's good. That's what, and then you can refer them right to just the episode. Just like, fuck you, listen to the the episode <laughs> of my podcast. Oh, well. Hey, David, are, David, are you going to go to that Nosferatu uh, pipe organ thing? I think so. I mean, I, ca- I can't yeah, imagine I, may, I might meet you there. Yeah. Well, and anybody listening, I highly encourage if you're in the area and and you can make it. Th- those yeah, are really fun should. things. I have gone to a few uh, silent film screenings with live scores done, and it's always a blast. It's just really if you love live music and you love film, it's there's no better experience. Yeah, it seems like something that my daughter would really get a kick out of. Yeah, it seems uh, seems badass. Yeah, uh, really bummed that. Oh, I probably will not be there. Stupid paid gigs. Yeah, two two badass films this week. Uh, yeah. Oh, and, uh, thank you, thank you, Carlos. And I'm cruising episode. into I think saying that we had two badass beers as well. I was not feeling that way immediately with the Tangerine Milkshake IPA. I will say my first sip, it seemed a bit too intense for me. 
a bit too intense. It was like it was just it was there was more bitterness than I was expecting. Okay, um, but that makes sense. It's an IPA. I mean, it, but it's so fruity on the front end. It's like there's so much tangerine, so juicy. I was taking that sip. I'm thinking, oh, and then it really kind of kicked me with more bitterness than I was expecting. But as I drank it, that all kind of balanced out. It 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 didn't seem like too much for me. You do get um, a nice helping of tangerine right up front. Oh yeah. But I think you know, it's like that I'm basically I'm basically like you know, yeah, like it somebody, is like that, yeah. It's like I got a little piece of peel stuck to the tangerine that's kind of like yep. riding around on the back of my tongue. Yep, it is very similar to that and I'll just basically repeat what you said but in other words, uh the more that you drink it, the more the kind of milkshakey aspect of oh, it yeah. comes it in. Oh yeah. It smooths, smooths it, it out. out. You get some of that vanilla in there as well. Uh and overall, I mean uh, pretty well executed as far as you know what is advertised. I mean, I think I think you get exactly what is advertised. Joe, how are you feeling? You know, Real Ale puts out a twelve pack uh, mixed thing that I suggested we do a full flight on once this Boombox Double IPA is not in that twelve pack. Real Ale, they they've begun to put out a wider variety of the beers, and sometimes you can get lost in them as them not being very um, unique from one another. But the, this double IPA, you know, once an IPA reaches that seven plus percent, it's kind of entered that double IPA territory. The increased malt bill to get you to that higher ABV, but then the, of course the higher aroma and flavor that comes with those malt bills. They've done a fantastic job here. The only thing wrong with it, I'm not drinking it with you guys. Oh, there you go. Wow, beautiful sentiment. Wow. Joe. Wow! Yeah, no, I don't real think you're ever going to top oh, that. Oh. That might be the the absolute pinnacle of your podcasting career. Could be. Thank you. Way out here in the country, alone in a room by myself, uh, I've had a fantastic beer evening, along with two movies. Like I said, that I've recommended to almost everyone that uh, likes movies that I've talked to. I have not recommended Kate a bunch of times because I saw See, it. Well, it was because I saw it last night, so I haven't really seen anybody or talked to a lot of people since then. But in the time between when I saw Gunpowder Milkshake, which at this point has been several days, three or four days to now, I have recommended it to a great many people. The, the films are so similar that it only... They are so similar. I would recommend yeah. people watch them at different times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is a good double feature if you're looking for similar content. But for me, the Tokyo setting puts Kate just a, a fraction of a percentage. That's interesting. As, as as a preference. Yeah, I feel but, I feel the other way more like Carlos that I I, I do think I I appreciate the more I get to know about Sam in Gunpowder Milkshake. That, that sort of works. But Mary Elizabeth Winstead does an amazing job bringing across does. some depth in the character, even without the dialogue and the kind of flashbacks and stuff well, that even, would give you the... With what she's given, she does more than can be expected of, of you. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know. And uh, maybe that's... And, and credit to the filmmakers, you know, the, the director, maybe they knew, like, if we get her... All we have to do is get her in these scenes, and people are gonna love this character. And there, we're we don't need to do anything else. Yeah, yeah. she's very she's very 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 good. Um, Watch both of these movies. Drink all four of these beers. Uh, agreed. 
yeah. wholeheartedly 100%. on all counts. The great thing about beer in a movie is that the conversation doesn't end here. It continues on all of our social media channels. You can get involved in the conversation. Uh, tell, I mean, I assume you're going to tell us how much you agree with our amazing, eloquent synopsis and uh, <laughs> analysis of these films and how... Uh, amazing our tastes in films are and how much you loved these movies. That's what I'm assuming will happen. But if for some reason you have a dissenting opinion, you are also free to express that on all of the social media channels, which we inhabit. Uh, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at beer movie show, Instagram at beer and a movie, Facebook, uh, Facebook, facebook.com <laughs> slash beer and a movie tx beer and a movie podcast.com does have that beer map that joe referenced earlier in the episode you can see not only can you listen to all the episodes but you can see all of the beers that we have drank where those breweries hail from how many times we've had that brewery how many countries we've visited beer wise and you can recommend new you can breweries recommend. to us you can see what why haven't they gone you can here send on the map? it to us. Tell us you can send it to us and of course uh don't forget about the patreon patreon.com slash beer new podcast uh five dollars a month gets you a bonus episode every single week what a measly fee for such incredible uh plentiful bonus content and again um i think by the time you're listening to this the time for recommendations will be over but our Patreon you can still members, vote. you can still vote, you can still vote. Our Patreon members did get to help us program part of our all horror October spooktacular month of movies. Uh, so that, among many other things, are all of uh, the exciting, uh, exciting ongoings, goings ons of the Patreon. <laughs> if you're listening to this and have a podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you leave a written review, uh, I would might possibly review your review five star rating all that kind of good stuff all doing all of those things all of them not just some of them but all of them really helps the algorithm do what it do so that more fine people like yourselves find the show uh until next time for the record i still think this is a shit idea (laughs) 